0: Welcome back to
1: Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse Exploring the World of Nursing, and this is Leanne Meyer. Um, Our topic today is Nursing Professional Development, a World of Endless Possibility. I love the idea of endless possibilities, and it certainly is true in nursing. I keep telling nurses that we do not realize how much power to influence positive outcomes in the world that we have, and they just look at me like I just grew another head. I can relate to that concept or that way of looking at things because I went into nursing uh, with so much fear about the world, and I bought the cheapest equipment I could possibly find. I was just sure that I was going to be dropping out because my anxiety level was so high. Somehow, I made it through nursing school and 40-plus years of nursing. Uh, What grew my courage during that time was advocating for patients and learning how to, how much impact we can have on individual patients. Have you ever stopped to think how many nurses there are in the United States? I've heard anywhere from three to four and a half million. In, and when I tried to do a quick uh, um, Google search on North America and the world, uh, I think nobody wanted to attempt that. There's so many different ways to count nurses. But nurses are consistently listed as the most trusted profession. And trust is the very basis of influence. Who cares about people and the, for their own sake more than nurses in general? What if nurses pulled together and determined to take charge of the influence we have for the greater good? I believe it would look a lot like the career and journey of my guest today. I ran across some of the work of Lynette Wolford uh, has been doing with nursing professional development and integrating nursing work with other areas of healthcare. The words she was saying spiked my enthusiasm for what nurses truly can accomplish, despite the negative self and group talk we engage in. Here's just one quote. She said, I believe that the power we hold is that which allows us to role model, share and educate, thereby strengthening others and creating environments where this notion of nurses as leaders becomes normalized among nurses and recognized by non-nurses. Nursing professional development practitioners can do that, and we should do that relentlessly. Please welcome with me Lynette Wolford to the show.
2: Thank you, Leanne. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: I am so glad to have you here. We've been trying to work on this for a while, and I'm delighted that it's actually happened. Um, I always t- try to ask my guests, how did you get interested in nursing, and then how did you come to the place that you are now in nursing? That could be well, a long topic,
2: <laughs> kind of, kind of right. a, a brief. <laughs> right, that could be the length of the show. Well, yeah, right. uh, my, my road to nursing was straight and narrow because I always wanted to be a nurse. Mm. I never entertained another career. Ever since I was a little girl, I admired nurses and I envisioned that one day I would be a nurse. In fact, I envisioned myself as a pediatric nurse, uh, that I would be working at the bedside for years upon years and my work would change the lives of children and families for the better. That was really all I aspired uh, to do, is to be a bedside pediatric nurse. So I was excited about that. And I worked hard toward that, making nursing my first career path right out of high school. So I went into a four-year program, a baccalaureate program in nursing. And in my third year of that program in nursing school, I had my pediatrics rotation. Mm -hmm. Well... That was where the rubber met the road, because I realized that this was not the pretty picture that I had imagined, and Mm -hmm. the outcomes were not always what I dreamed they would be. You know, I had visions of cotton candy and happy children and happy Mm -hmm. staff and things like that, but although many children received great care and went home well or better than they were when they came in other children were deathly ill and suffering, and Mm -hmm. some were in abusive homes, some had terminal illnesses, complex treatments. I saw children with injuries uh, inflicted by others, and it was just overwhelming and devastating. So I knew that I could not be a pediatric nurse, and I went into adult health nursing, and going into adult health nursing brought me great fulfillment because uh, of course, I enjoyed working with that population, but this is where I got the chance to serve as a preceptor for nursing students mm-hmm. and for new nurses, and that allowed me to really discover my passion for nursing education and nursing professional development. So, I live my pediatric nursing dream vicariously through my neonatal and pediatric nurse colleagues. I have tremendous admiration for them, uh, but that's how my career in nursing professional development evolved
1: I think that that is so pertinent. Um, I can remember in my pediatric pediatric rotation, we had a baby that was a failure to thrive, and um, uh, I just couldn't understand how that could possibly be. It was, you know, the mother was just so uh, had mental health problems herself and just was not able to address the needs of her baby at all, and so some of those things were crushing you know, back in 1973, but now it's so much more apparent, and I think partly, you know, because we're not addressing some of the mental health issues that are going on, but so many other things, too, that, that uh, life is really pretty stressful, and especially for children.
2: Very, and, you know, these are the realities that nurses, we see as nurses on the front lines, uh, mm-hmm. People don't don't encounter this. Even other healthcare professionals don't encounter this, what you've described, to the extent right. that nurses do, because we're there 24-7. We're caring for mm-hmm. the whole person and the whole family. And mm-hmm. so these issues that really impact people's journey to wellness, whether it's children or adults, uh, factors like mental health, the home environment, social, and other stability factors, we see those and we deal with those as nurses. You know, we are Mm -hmm. We are the holistic profession, you know, uh, a little bit of everything.
1: And we want to be able to do that. And it's so much harder, I think, for nurses to be able to look at the whole patient when we have the staffing issues that we have and other things. The one thing you mentioned, though, too, was the ability to precept other nurses. And I think I have that kind of sense of loving to teach and loving to, you know, see people grow and develop. Um, it always amazes me when when there are nurses who do not want to do that. And I'm guessing you've probably run across that kind of thing, too.
2: Oh, yes, Leanne. <laughs> In fact, uh, I would agree with you. That was something that always amazed me. But over the years, I've come to uh, accept every nurse and person mm-hmm. for who they are and, and, and what they bring. And nursing education and uh, professional development activities... It's not for everyone. So I don't, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I've learned to, to appreciate that. But I will tell you that when I worked as a staff nurse and as a nurse preceptor, I found it to be very interesting. There were nurses like myself who would say things like, a nursing student or a new orientee, Give, give me, give them to me. You know, I'll take them. Cause uh-huh. I'm just gonna show right. them, you know, everything. I love this. This is no problem. I'll take two students, you know, if I'm doing right. a special, uh, a procedure that might be beneficial for them to observe or even assist with. And then there mm-hmm. were other nurses who said, uh, no thanks. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm here to work directly with the patients, you know, and that's the extent, uh, to which they wished to be, to be involved in preceptorship, mm-hmm. um, which, Look, I guess it created more opportunities for me because since there were a few nurses I worked with who were not uh, passionate about preceptorship, I was always called upon to be Mm -hmm. a preceptor and... and I, I loved it. I love every minute of it. Even now in my role, I mean, I'm not at the bedside and I haven't been at the bedside for quite some time. But nurses, as as your listening audience knows, mm-hmm. go through many levels of academic progression and need preceptors at mm-hmm. master's, doctoral, and other levels. And even now, uh, I still welcome nursing students. Uh, in various capacities uh some who are graduate students who need to do a practicum in leadership or something right. like that and in fact, uh, where I am here, where I work here, we created a an internship program where every oh, yes. summer we take on at least two this is the office of the chief nurse executive where I am so it's it's quite um Business, you know, environment. And say not, where not you are. Uh, we haven't at, at mentioned that. Where are you located? Right. So I'm in I'm in New York uh, at Northwell Health, which mm. is the largest private employer in New York State. We have 67,000 employees, including 17,000 nurses. Wow. There are 23 hospitals and over 750 outpatient centers that make up this health system. So my role. I guess I skipped past that, huh? My role Role yeah, as, right. <laughs> as vice president for nursing education and professional development for this health system is to really embrace uh, and develop and advance the vision for nursing education and professional development uh, for all of the nurses as well as aspiring nurses as well as nursing team members, so support staff, etc. All of wow. whom work together. Uh, to provide that frontline care. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so it's a, it's a, there's never a dull moment. How about that? Never <laughs> a dull moment in an organization like this. And I was mentioning that here at the Office of the Chief Nurse Executive where I'm situated, uh, at Northwell Health, uh, we even created an internship program where we take undergraduate nursing students and expose them through summer opportunities to the many different career opportunities that nursing has, whether it's at any of our specialty hospitals, flight nursing. We have so many different programs at a health system like this, so Mm -hmm. our interns uh, always get a great experience.
1: So that's actually good because that's one of the things I've been trying to do with this program is to really show nurses that it is not just bedside nursing. Um, that there's so many other things. So say a little bit about um, these people coming in. How long are they with you during the summer? And how long did they spend in each area?
2: So we actually organized this through a partnership with our volunteer department because we were finding, I was finding, that many nursing students who were unable to land a summer nurse extern program in the hospital, which is what most of them seek, um, sometimes they would sign up as volunteers in the Mm -hmm. hospital just to get experience. That's all they really want is to have an opportunity to learn more about nursing. So we created this program. It, uh, It actually revolves around the student's schedule, so they can come as often as they want or as infrequently as they want. Uh, For some of our interns, they they do have uh, another commitment, so they may only come one day a week. Uh, Other interns are able to come uh, for fewer hours, but more days a week. And they work on, uh, so here at the Office of the Chief Nurse Executive, they work on some of the programs that we run, such as the System-Wide Orientation Program for new hires, so it's great for them. They get exposure to the orientation program for professional nurses, gives them a clue about what they can expect. And sometimes they um, they assist us, our nursing team here, with various projects. So that could be things like competency development, um, other initiatives, uh, mm-hmm. enhancing the programs that we are running. So mm-hmm. they learn and they go out. We arrange for them to go out to the specialty hospitals to get preceptorship experiences in the areas they're interested in. So it is multifaceted and they stay with us for the entire summer. Many of, uh, of our interns stay with us actually uh, until they graduate because they go back oh. to school. The ones who are local go back to school and almost always ask if they can still come in periodically a couple uh-huh. of times a month during, uh, during the school year to continue, and we always say yes.
1: Yeah, we have. I've been in in the hospital that um, worked on some of these models also, and everyone wins as far as I can see. Even if they don't stay with you, um, they go to their next place with much more confidence and much more understanding of what's possible, which yeah. I think is really great. Um, this kind of brings me to the thought of those very new nurses coming out of uh, whether it's a baccalaureate program or a, a, I'm not sure if you're taking associate nurses, but um, uh, the just the idea that you get on the floor and it's so overwhelming. And, um, you know, many times they feel like, you know, I kind of thought I had it all together in my head as I was going through the didactic part in the school classes and even, you know, doing some of the, the clinical uh, work at uh, in under a, uh, the tutelage of, of a nurse standing right there and, and working with me maybe in a lab. Um, so when they get on the floor, it is much more um overwhelming, not only do they have to be thinking about what it is they're doing, but they have to be carrying on a relationship and an interaction with the patient in front of them and helping that patient to be more relaxed while they're very nervous themselves. Address that a little bit, what it's like, that powerlessness feeling and um, feeling of who to turn to.
2: Yeah, you know, you really have uh, brought up a very important topic. So as i mentioned we have 17000 nurses here at this health system and each year we onboard about uh 13 to 1500 nurses we hire mm-hmm. about 1300 to 1500 nurses in different capacities advanced practice bedside uh, and specialty you, you name it so i've had the pleasure over the last uh, dozen or more actually years of seeing this transition into practice and it's 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 rough because there are those who are able to transition smoothly. Uh, What some of those factors are, I think we're always trying to better understand, is it resiliency? Is it the school they Mm -hmm. went to? Is it some other characteristic? Mm -hmm. But most go through the reality shock of Mm -hmm. um, being ill-prepared for the complexities, all of the different things they have to manage in terms of information. Uh, the documentation is a bear and mm-hmm. they really struggle with that and just wanting to provide safe care. So mm-hmm. what we did, I'm really proud uh, actually of what we launched earlier this year. We've been working on this for quite some time and that is a system-wide nurse residency program. Now we had... Nurse residency programs at several of our hospitals for the past several years. In fact, one of our hospitals, John T. Mather Hospital in Port Jefferson, Long Island, was the first hospital in New York State to receive um, practice transition accreditation designation from the American Nurses Credentialing Center. It's called PAPs. Uh, so. That was the first hospital in the state to receive that designation for the nurse residency program, uh, which is a stamp of excellence. So we felt that this is something that new graduate nurses across our entire health system should benefit from, not just those at uh, select hospitals. So we launched a system-wide nurse residency program so that all new graduates who come to this organization who are um, inexperienced in nursing will go through a year-long transition program. And the program program is spearheaded by a team of nurse educators, uh, nursing professional development practitioners, is what we call hospital-based nurse educators. Um, and it covers everything from... Professional practice, interprofessional relationships, uh, patient-centered care, evidence-based practice, and those things. It's not orientation. You know, they go through mm-hmm. orientation first, and then they continue on into this program. But the beauty of uh, the other aspect that the program covers is that it addresses some of the things you pointed out, socializing these new graduates into the environment, giving them someone to talk to, a mentor who they can um, share some of their concerns with. It also allows them to network and collaborate with their peers, other new graduates, whether it's mm-hmm. at their hospital or other hospitals in our health system. And one of the things they always talk about is how much better they feel when they realize that they're not alone. You're not the only person who's going through this struggle of oh my goodness, Mm -hmm. I didn't know that it Mm -hmm. was going to be like this. So the sharing uh,
3: Mm
2: -hmm. and nurturing is proving to be uh, probably you know I I might argue the most one of the most beneficial aspects even over the other. aspects, which include, like I said, EBP and and Mm patient-centered care and those sorts of things. So, uh, we have about, uh, in our first cohort, we launched the the first cohort in April, and uh, we're into our second cohort now, and our first cohort had well over 150 new graduates in it. Right. So, we're excited about that. Yeah, it's amazing. When people ask me, um,
1: you know, I, I was really amazed when my stepdaughter was in I think it was her sophomore year in nursing school, and she had gone to a promotional um, program uh, that you know various different hospitals were trying to promote their hospital and to these very young nurses, and she was talking about you know money and and traveling they'll pay for your 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 moving expenses and all of these different things, and then she said you know I don't know how to differentiate between these, and I said what is the orientation? How much do you have a say in whether you're ready or not? Um, You know, how much uh, support and um, uh, offline, so not at the bedside, that maybe you're getting uh, training and, and opportunities like this. So what you're describing is exactly what I say. All the money in the world doesn't mean a thing if you don't have this kind of support as you go through.
2: That is so true, and while I totally understand the importance of the salary, right? You mm-hmm. know, and uh, and the need for that financial stability as a professional nurse, in the long run this is where the professional development component is so hugely important. And when nurses are interviewing for positions, of course, the employer is interviewing you as a nurse Mm -hmm. to see whether Mm -hmm. you're a good fit for the culture of this organization and whether you have the potential or the actual skills to safely perform this important responsibility. But... As the interviewee, the nurse should be interviewing the organization as well to understand what is the orientation like. Will I have someone who's going to coach and develop me as I go through this transition phase, or will I be expected to just hit the ground running upon hire? Right. I hear horror stories like that all the time. And right. then, how much is the organization willing to invest in me as a professional uh, over the years? So, for mm-hmm. example, here at this organization, we have a robust professional development arm uh, through through our uh, office of the chief nurse executive, and that's that's what I oversee. So, we provide thousands of hours mm-hmm. of contact hours, uh, continuing education programs for our, our nursing staff. They don't even have to leave the organization. Certainly they can, but they don't have to leave the organization to get uh, mm-hmm. exposure to continuing education programs, and we do it through a variety of media, online, face-to-face conferences. We bring in mm-hmm. the... Best the, the, the well known speakers from across the country to make sure that our nursing staff are up to date on um, on best practices and we also yeah. uh, I'm very proud that our uh, that this organization really does support not not just nurses i mean I'm here to speak about nurses but employees in general mm-hmm. uh, but but does support nurses with tuition reimbursement with um, incentive rewards for uh, obtaining professional certification. Uh, We have programs like a clinical ladder program, which allows a nurse or nurses to stay in their existing role, which for many nurses, they desire to stay at the bedside. Uh, Mm -hmm. But it allows them to stay at the bedside and still gain from that career advancement. So getting involved in higher level initiatives and programs by becoming a clinical ladder two or clinical ladder three nurse. Of course, mm-hmm. there's financial incentive associated with that. Sure. But, but you want to be in an organization that is not a dead end, right? And that mm-hmm. sees that nurses have so much to contribute and with the proper profession, professional development structure, Mm-hmm. you will be able to realize that and self-actualize and, and that's, so that's a major part of my role, making sure that we maintain that culture and we manifest that in every possible way through new programs that benefit our nurses which ultimately benefit the patients uh, but ma- that also make this organization an enticing place to work.
1: One thing I think is um, an area of development that many times as nurses are especially learning uh, in those first couple of years uh, and are feeling overwhelmed and are feeling invisible and powerless. Um, I remember being invited into, you know, some sort of a group or, um, you know, maybe decisions were being made for the unit that they're on, being asked to be a part of that even in a very young um, uh, part of their career. And I think a lot of times, um, I don't know that managers uh, always recognize, that this can be a real um, pat on the back for somebody to say, not only am I pleased with the work that you're doing on the floor, but I also would like your input. And I think a lot of the millennials um, really appreciate that they want to be involved in um, decisions that are being made. And I'm just curious if that's kind of what you're finding also, um, that helping people know and broadening their abilities by getting them into different um, aspects of the decision-making process?
2: Absolutely. You know, I have always been a tap-a-nurse-on-the-shoulder kind of person. By that, I mean that all the nurses that I've worked with, whether it's directly or uh, simply the fact that they are nurses at the same organization that I'm working for, whatever organization that might be, I'm the kind of person who goes to uh, nurses and, and taps them on the shoulders and says, you know, what do you think about getting involved in this particular uh, issue that's going on? I th- I believe you can make a difference. I, I will tell you that there's tremendous power in encouraging nurses that way, you know, to, to tap. A nurse on the shoulder I think especially from a nurse leader point of view right we might not think anything about it as a nurse manager or as a director or even you know as a chief nursing officer or otherwise but when you tap a nurse on the shoulder and say I believe that you can make a change what you it, it's almost a, a magnetizing kind of a power that I think you pass along to them and I've seen it come to pass where nurses who were quiet and uh kind of uh, soft-spoken, sometimes maybe even apathetic, right, because they've given mm-hmm. up on their ability to make a difference, mm-hmm. but uh, tapping them on the shoulder and say, saying, I will support you in this, and, and, you know, I believe you have the power and the answers. Let me help you realize that has turned them into uh, game changers. Here uh, and across in many organizations across the country, I think another question that, Nurses want to ask, as we talk about uh, interviewing and entering the profession and moving within the profession, that sort of thing, nurses want to ask about shared governance because that's really what you're describing, organizations that have shared governance models and truly subscribe to that, as we do here, uh, require that nursing be represented in decision-making. And when you get even smarter with regard to how to manage shared governance, you also realize that the power and a lot of the um, brilliance in terms of solutions solutions lies in the hands of those who are doing yes. it most, which are the frontline mm-hmm. nurses. So you don't really want to be in an organization that is... Um, appears to be uh without a shared governance model where decisions are being made from the top without input from nursing that is absolutely not the culture that um that I think nurses want, and sometimes maybe organizations don't realize that that's what's going on, and that's why we have to speak up uh, the way you just did and say, hey, where where is nursing in uh, in this organization and and in how practice occurs here? And look Mm -hmm. out for things like, well, we have shared governance models or we make sure we have committees where nurses are on those committees and influence the decisions and so forth, and no nurse is... Uh, is unqualified for this. You know, in other mm-hmm. words, I've, I've found that sometimes nurses feel like, well, yeah, I, I, so, so here, I'll, I'll give you a specific example, Leanne. A couple of years ago, I wrote a grant to uh, the American uh, Association of Critical Care Nurses for a program that they run called the CSI, It's a Clinical Scene Academy. And uh, the program has changed over the years since we participated in it. But at that time, what they allowed you to do is select the unit and frontline nurses and put them through this almost year-long academy where they work on transforming a clinical problem. And they learn about mm-hmm. the process of change, change models. It's a, it was a wonderful experience for the nurses that, uh, that we selected. In fact, the outcomes were tremendous. The unit that we selected went from being the unit that had the worst catheter associated yes. with urinary tract <laughs> infections in our health system to being the best. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, all because of the frontline nurses and the, the model that they developed. But I'm telling you that story to tell you that when I met with those four nurses that we selected to be the frontline champions for this program and told them that we had been selected and we'd be participating, their unit would be participating, and they were selected as the champions, they all said, Lorneck, there's no way we're going to be able to achieve what you've just told us. Mm-hmm. You know, no one's going to listen to us. This, this is mm-hmm. exactly what they said. No one's going to listen to us. These nurses had ten years' experience or less, maybe even five before that. Mm-hmm. We selected they were they were pretty new, uh, mm-hmm. and they said, you know, who's going to listen? No, no one. And we said. Yes, we recognize that that's going to, it's going to be a challenge. Yeah. No one said it's going to be easy, but we're going to do this together, and you have our support and Let me tell you they I watched them blossom from timid, quiet uh, yes. you know new nurses who thought they couldn't make a change to uh, one one just won a national award the other one is now a advanced practice nurse i mean they they yeah. really they really on And that's what it takes, is somebody had.
1: who is willing to really uh, be a proponent for them, and yes. show the rest of the people around them some, a side that perhaps they're not seeing. This that's is a right. great place for us to take a break. So we're going to do that now, and then we will be back. If you're just joining us, um, our topic today is Nursing Professional Development, A World of Endless Possibility, with Dr. Lynette Wolford and um, we have been talking about all kinds of things. We're going to be coming Back in just a few minutes and um, continuing this conversation. <laughs>
3: you. If you like what you're hearing on Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, consider supporting the show. In the one year since the show started, we've increased our listening audience by nearly 7,900 percent, and our goal to reach 50 countries and counting. Whether you are looking to reach a regional, national, or worldwide audience, you'll have a competitive advantage by advertising on Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. It's the perfect platform Contact Senior Executive Producer Tacey Trump today at 480-294-6421. That's 480-294-6421. Search Voice America at your favorite app store.
0: Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time.
3: A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness.
0: You are listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. To reach the program today please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to leannevoiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse.
1: Welcome back again to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. This is Leanne Meyer. And I'm so fortunate today to be talking with Dr. Uh, Lynette Wolford. And she is, um, her passion is around uh, leadership development, professional leadership development. And she's. we've just been talking about the organization that she is involved with and running in um, New York City. And all of the different opportunities being created for young people coming through and and helping nurses to really get their feet on the ground and feel strong. So um, I had put the question to Lynette and I wanted her to be able to answer what she thinks is the most critical thing that she sees that nurses need to know right now.
2: Yeah, that's uh, such a good question. I-, I would say that what nurses do need to know and believe is that we do have the power to effect change. Uh, it's very easy to um, to not think so, you know, and sometimes we are not successful in doing so, which might make us think that the it, that the road ends there. But it really doesn't, due to the you know complexities in healthcare, whether it's at the unit level or hospital or or national level, sometimes. We as nurses, even as an entire collective profession, we can feel invisible and powerless. Mm-hmm. You know, we're we're mm-hmm. not necessarily depending on different scopes and where people are working, but we're not necessarily revenue generating. But we make the world of difference. Healthcare can't survive without us, and so we have to not give in to this feeling if we're if we have it of invisibility and powerlessness. You know, thinking of, we have to think about where. Uh, our patients, or families, uh, physicians, and other colleagues would be healthcare overall if it weren't for us nurses. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, the way we impact people is something that uh, words really can't describe. So, I think it's critical for nurses to remain passionate and diligent, to remain supportive of each other, and to tap into that innate feeling, whatever it might be, that empowers us and charges us to go forward.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I would think I've worked in much smaller organizations than the one you're describing. Um, and there still can be a sense of being a little bit lost that this is so big. And what could I possibly contribute that there aren't a 100 other people that can do the same thing? And we tend to that that internal talk, that self-talk that women are so known for, particularly, and certainly nurses uh, often uh display is no one will listen to me Um, uh, why would they you know and just getting really uh, frustrated or feeling like um, they don't know where to go from there do you do any kind of uh, assist to managers to teach them how to kind of take that person you talked about tapping the person on the shoulder is there anything um, that's really set up or education that is set up for managers to know how to do that
2: so here at this organization at Northwell Health, we have several manager development programs, including uh, nursing leadership development program, which I think is instrumental in uh, in that transition from staff to management, whether it's an assistant nurse manager or uh, or upward. So the answer to your question is yes, and these are some of the principles that we communicate in that program. Um, and it's not a uh, it's not a one and done thing right It's something that um, our managers participate in over time. Uh, we have a required program that they must engage in early in the transition but we also have ongoing programs that are held at all of our facilities on leadership development emotional intelligence uh, all of these uh, aspects that managers need in addition of course to the the hard and fast things, budget and labor relations and those mm-hmm. sorts of things, right? But but these other right. very important skills around leading and developing others. You know, I think I'd be remiss also if I didn't take a moment to just recognize our Health Systems Chief Executive Officer, uh, Mr. Michael Dowling, and uh, I bring his name up uh, because... You know, it, 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 leaders, right, especially your most senior leader, sets the tone for yes. the organization, right, and what's going to be acceptable, what's tolerable, etc And this is a very uh, dynamic uh, gentleman who respects nurses uh, and nurses' abilities as leaders, as problem solvers, as um you know, all the things we, know, we already knew we were, <laughs> but sometimes yeah, right. others, <laughs> others didn't know, right? And so to be in an organization where the CEO feels that decisions should never be made without nurses, that nurses can run hospitals, not that nurses will run nursing. Right. But that mm-hmm. nurses will run the hospital, um, you know, that we would have, you know, executive vice presidents, which are, you know, very senior positions in our organization. Actually, I think yeah. that it's the most senior next to the CEO, Uh, but to have nurses in those roles, right? So over the years, uh, you know, under his leadership, we have really established an environment here that uh, I don't know if other organizations share this sort of uh, culture, but if they don't, they should be striving for it. One where senior leaders really do understand that nurses do more than um, provide the just-in-time care, of course we do that, but in doing that for so many years, you now have people who have such a wealth of understanding of the plethora of things that go into healthcare that we, as nurses, are the right people to lead, you Mm -hmm. know, in collaboration with colleagues, right? And we should not be counted Mm -hmm. out, and that it it would really, it does everyone a disservice to not consider nurses when getting to the table. So, you know, it would really be appropriate for me to to just shout him out uh, as a leader to watch, you know, in terms of emulating um, nurses and and how nurses can really be impactful in healthcare.
1: Yeah, I absolutely agree, uh, and not just with words, but in action and how leaders uh, even remember people, you know, that they met. You know, I wish I wish I had that ability to really be able to remember somebody, but I remember. Um, our uh, COO at one point was a nurse, and um, she was phenomenal. She, I remember she met me in the parking lot one time uh, early in my career, early in my, my um, employment. Uh, told, we walked in together. I told her a number of things about myself and my name and whatever, and, and I think it was like six months later, she came to a staff meeting that we had, and she went around the room and could say the name of every person, including me who she had just met for five minutes on the way in from the parking lot. And that just um, said a tremendous amount to me about how important, not just nurses kind of as a a lump, but individual people, the relationship of nursing yes. um, really came, came home to me through that one small thing that she did.
2: Yes, you know, you make a good point. Um, and that is with regard to uh, how to how to remain positive, you know, right? Or or how to not get lost as we were talking about in that feeling of of uh, invisibility or powerlessness. And I think when when you experience a win, and it can be a small win. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you experience a win, uh, whether it's on your own behalf or through other nurses, those are things that we shouldn't take lightly, and we should actually allow those to fuel our gas tank with regard to the the journey uh, of self-actualization in nursing. So for me, uh, just as you described uh, that nurse leader who had that uh impact on you by being able to uh, in a role like hers remember the names of of what we would probably consider ourselves to be everyday people you know right and mm-hmm. how impactful that was and i think uh you know i've had similar experiences where i've seen Nurses, whether it's uh, you know staff nurse, I, I remember a nurse I worked with um, in early in my career who, when I tell you, she was a firecracker. She <laughs> she <laughs> she wouldn't let anybody, you know. Uh, treat her patients in a way that she thought was less than the best. And by that I mean if she felt that this patient needed to be seen because it could have been vague symptoms, could have just been I just don't feel like this patient is himself or herself, Mm -hmm. she would be relentless about getting a physician in there. And when they would say Mm -hmm. things like, I can't get there for another hour, or I'm in with this one, she moved up that chain of command so quickly. I mean, when I tell you (laughs) this woman was, or is, you know, because she's still a nurse, right? You know, at the bedside, she is uh, the, the personification of advocacy, right? And so when right. you see that in action, and then you see that things do get done, you know, and things do, do change, it might be a small change. In that case, mm-hmm. it might just be that we did not leave this shift without this patient being seen, right? right. And, and having some sort of a change to their plan of care. Now you can leave with a clear conscious feeling conscience, feeling good, and feeling like, you know what, I can make a difference, right? And so you Mm -hmm. use those as stepping stones. And then the next thing you know, you're just making bigger differences. You're starting off with one patient, then you go to two, then you go to the unit, then you go to the hospital, and then you take your agenda to a national level.
1: Right. Yeah. And all along the way is remembering that you're taking a lot of people with you. It's not just your rise, but you're also bringing other people with you. And that's what's, I, I think is so remarkable with you because I see the connections that people have with you. And um, that that just looks really impressive to me. I was very fortunate in being an organization that um, took all of that very seriously and being able to um, have the training, um, have the, the support for managers so that they weren't just hanging out to dry or, you know, I think so many times people get promoted based on they were a good nurse and then nothing is given to them to help them be a good manager or be that next level.
2: You're totally right about that, and that's why we have the transition programs we have for not just for new graduates. I mentioned the nurse residency program earlier, and that's for new graduates entering the profession, but we also have transition programs for nurses who are moving within the profession, whether it's to a new specialty or moving into a new clinical specialty, that is, or moving into a new role such as in leadership. And you are right, um, for, for a very long time, we've been guilty of selecting the best clinical nurse and mm-hmm. then uh, asking him or her to move into a managerial role because they're a good clinical nurse. And we don't give them the, uh, the tools that they need to be successful as a manager.
1: Right, and and sometimes end up miserable.
2: I'm also (laughs) interested. I
1: I noticed um, one of the things that you have done is the nurse-led education for medical students. That really intrigued me.
2: This that program is one of my biggest uh, pride items of pride and joy, Uh, and I'll tell you why in a nutshell. So we have a medical school associated with the health system uh, that I'm working for, and I'm really, uh, I've always been excited that since the medical school opened, which was about six years ago or, or seven years ago, uh, they did include nurses on the faculty. And so I am an assistant professor at the School of Medicine, along with uh, a number of other nurses. So they were already forward thinking with regard to how these future physicians would be prepared, right, by by being so inclusive. Of course, there are other disciplines um, as well that they included, but I'm focusing on nursing.
1: Respiratory and nutrition and many other things they don't necessarily get in medical school.
2: Exactly pharmacy, et cetera so um, so, but I was particularly proud to see nursing included there, so, in my role as an assistant professor at the School of Medicine, I had the opportunity to collaborate with a few other nurse colleagues and physician colleagues, and we said, you know What we should really be doing is exposing our medical students to nursing so they understand the dynamics of a nursing unit and some of the roles and scopes of practice for nurses because part of what... Yeah, how, how are we going to be working as a team, right, if members of the team don't even understand what each other's role is, right? So yes. we created this, uh, nurse-led education of medical students program. It's now in its fifth year. It started just as a concept and a vision. It's now in its fifth year and it's a required program at the medical school and the medical students are precepted on the nursing unit by nurses, frontline staff nurses. So this is not about leadership. It's about frontline staff. And this, so the medical students, we have surveys, it's an IRB-approved research study that we did associated with this. And I did present this at the National Academies of uh, Medicine as well because it's a model that can and should be replicated. Right. And the nurses, uh, sorry, the medical students, shared so much uh, information about what they learned. They had they really had no mm-hmm. idea about nurses and what nurses mm-hmm. do and the scope of nurses' practice and, and just a day in the life of a nurse on the unit. Mm-hmm. But uh, in addition to that, what I really found to be so rewarding was to see how proud our nurses, our frontline nurses, yes. are mm-hmm. to, to participate in this program. They all say the same thing, which is they feel valued. They feel like they're able to share their expertise with these future physicians and be appreciated for that. So they, they teach them also uh, some components in the classroom. And these are things that, who can teach you about discharge planning better than a nurse? you know? <laughs> and who, who can teach you about patient education better than a nurse? So mm-hmm. You know the, the, these are things that they know and do well and they are the experts in this so it gave them an opportunity or it gives them an opportunity to really do what they do best and impact another profession one where there have been hierarchies for many years and this sort of thing would have been unheard of and still is unheard of in, in many places but uh, for me one of the biggest wins in this program is the pride and joy that the frontline nurses get out of being able to work in this capacity with uh, physician education. That's it's great. fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic.
1: So <clears throat> we are uh, coming closer to the end here. Um, I'm always sad when I look up and see that, <laughs> that time moving along. So um, just kind of thinking in terms of nurses, uh, not just in the United States, but maybe around the world, what are, what are some things you really want nurses to get?
2: Um, you know, well, one of the things I definitely want to say to um, anyone who might be listening, with regard to my own personal journey, is that it's not easy. I think sometimes when we, when you look at things from the outside, it uh, it seems like, oh, you know, this person is lucky or they've had all the all the ducks lined up in a row, and, right. and that's not the case. The journey is difficult. You know, I. I'm a wife, I'm a mother, I'm a corporate executive, I'm, you know, involved in, deeply involved in nursing, and I'm um, the first, in, you know, among the first in my family to go to college, right? So there are many factors that people don't see on the outside, and it's it's um, it's important just to know that you can overcome whatever uh, the circumstances are that that are before you, right? We're not defined by our circumstances, so I don't know who needs to hear that, but I suspect there are colleagues out there who do so I remind myself of that regularly things aren't always going to go the way we want them to go when we want them to go that way Uh, sometimes when a door closes it's actually to spare you from a fate that was not ordered in your steps right and so we may not know it at the time Mm -hmm. and it might not feel good at the time but we Mm -hmm. often do live to reflect and see so much in hindsight you know so I remember as a as a nurse I know we only have a few moments left but I remember as a new nurse sometimes Okay, great. Uh, I, uh, I graduated with my BSN and I applied to a number of hospitals, including the two hospitals that were my top choice, and no one would hire me. They would say, "You know, come back when you actually get your degree right. physical degree, exactly. and then they said, "Come back when you pass your boards, and these are the days of paper and pencil boards where there's only twice a year I had to wait until October for results, right so they would yeah. come back when you get the okay, come back when you get your actual license and I worked in a mall in a department store as a new graduate uh-huh. nurse because I couldn't land a job uh-huh. and um and i I remember also when I went back for my master's and and earned that degree and wanted to grow uh you know more, and opportunities were not presenting themselves where I was working. And I said to myself, self, I am going to leave this job as of December 31st, whether I have another job or not. That was Mm -hmm. my commitment to not getting stuck. And fortunately, I pieced together a few other jobs, which we can do as nurses. We have that luxury Mm -hmm. and was able to stay on my feet as I move forward into new roles. So I just want to tell everyone out there that there might be obstacles and challenges, but none of them are too big for, uh, for us to overcome. The glass is always half full. And when we look at it that way, uh, we grow stronger and we find that we have more strength and power than we might have even ever imagined.
1: That's so true. I actually, uh, when I was teaching uh, nurses returning to nursing, that was one of the things I did quite a bit of time on was perception. Because um, people don't realize that we actually choose our perce- perception and the perception we choose makes all the difference in how we, we move forward. Um and I just think this is all of the things that you've been saying It's just really so important. If you can find that passion within you, whatever it was that brought you to nursing or whatever you thought was going to be great in nursing, if you can find and hold that passion, um, it will get you through those really tough moments and find other people who have passion. Don't hang around the people who are, you know, complaining about they're not doing this for me and they're not doing that for me. And it's really much more what can I do to make this different? So um, we, as I said, we are at the end of the show. I just wanted to um, thank everybody because this is actually, um, uh, I I so much appreciated all all the people who are joining us today and every time. Um, This is actually, I'm celebrating my two-year anniversary of this show. Uh, Many of you might know I started with 64 listeners in July 31st, 2017, and those were in four countries. And because of all of you and the people you have talked to about the show, there are now 70,000 listeners in 60 countries. So I am flabbergasted and humbled. And I thank you to all the well wishers who had contacted me about my uh, second anniversary here and your support and encouragement has been phenomenal. So right now, my long-term goal is to be able to provide scholarships to people who would like to be a nurse but cannot afford it. And to do that, I'm going to need a lot of help, and it's definitely going to be down the way a little bit. But right now, what I'd really like from each of you is if you could find or if you know of sponsors or anyone who... Um, love nurses and want to support nurses in doing the work that we do. Um, if you can let them know about this program, encourage them to contact me. Uh, maybe you're one of those people um, or you know somebody that, that uh, would like to uh, support the program. And so just have them contact me at Leanne, Voice America, At gmail.com. So that's Leanne, L E A N N E, then voiceamerica at gmail.com. And um, again, I'm just so grateful. And also, many people have given me suggestions for good shows, uh, things you're dealing with, things that um, are difficult. Uh, maybe a specific uh, speaker that you've heard that you think would be excellent on the show. And those are the things that I'm looking for. And uh, again, your feedback is just so precious because many times I'm able to deny that there's anybody out there listening. And then I get the statistics back on the next Monday and I'm like, oh, my goodness, how can that be? So, thank you, and uh, step up and help me uh, get this out to even more people, and particularly in this long term goal to be able to provide scholarships. Thank you so much, and thank you, Lynette. I appreciate so much you taking the time to be on the show.
2: Thank you, Leanne.
3: You're hearing on Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Consider supporting the show. In the one year since the show started, we've increased our listening audience by nearly 7,900% and our goal to reach 50 countries and counting. Whether you are looking to reach a regional, national, or worldwide audience, you'll have a competitive advantage by advertising on Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. It's the perfect platform. Contact Senior Executive Producer Tacey Trump today at 480-294-6421. That's 480-294-6421.